You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. This is the Christian Humanist Podcast, a weekly discussion of theology, philosophy, literature, art, and other things that human beings do well. And now your hosts, David Grubbs, Nathan Gilmore, and Michael Farmer. So the same Thanks for downloading another episode of the Christian Humanist Podcast. My name is Nathan Gilmore, and I am an associate professor of English at Emmanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia. I'm joined on the line today by assistant professor of English at Houston Baptist University, David Grubbs. How are you doing, David? I'm doing quite well. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And from Mount Aloysius College, we have Dr. Danny Anderson. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Rain, but, uh, you know, we'll deal with it. So, Right on, right on. Well, folks, if you listen to our shows, uh, then you'll know that we don't usually respond to listener feedback at the top of every episode as we did back in the old days before we went mainstream. Uh, <laughs> but if you have written in to us uh, via email or via Facebook, we do try to respond to you on air periodically. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, before we do though, I just want to go ahead and say that the Christian Feminist Podcast does have another episode out. Uh, it's a fine discussion of Nadia Bowles Weber's book, Pastrix. Very good conversation. Also, we have a couple Christian Humanist Profiles interviews on the way, as well as a new book of nature. So, uh, you know, just counting down our podcast there. Uh, which one are we missing? Which one hasn't done an episode? This this isn't my fault this time. Um, unreliable collaborators, I blame. So, this, yes, Sectarian well, Review, we are recording next week, and uh, we will have one out uh, hopefully late next week. Yes. Well, the week, as soon as this is up, you should be looking for the next one. Oh, very good, very good, very good. Well, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and get to the emails. We're taking this, roughly speaking, in the order that we receive the emails, although we do... Uh, deviate from time to time because that's just how we roll uh danny you want to read our first or summarize our first email for us sure thing and let me just say i thought you guys were much cooler when you before you were mainstream like like i used to listen <laughs> to green day before they were mainstream and they were much better then so um, <laughs> okay um hello this is uh email number one from Zach Johnson. Uh, hello, Christian Humanist. First, I ought to say that I've become a regular listener through the past year and have yet to come across an episode I haven't enjoyed. I bike to work and listen uh, to about half an episode on my way in and almost finish it going home. So thanks for making an enjoyable ride that much better. I've also begun regular listening with the Christian Feminist podcast and have caught a few of the profile shows as well. Uh, so far, nothing disappoints. However, as I've continued listening through your backlog, uh, through the backlog of your episodes, I occasionally hear one of you reference Catholicism, a Catholic perspective, or a distinctly Catholic personality, but none of you have much to say about it. Uh, this struck me as an odd categorical omission pretty early on in my listening, especially in relation to how collectively omnivorous you are concerning many other perspectives. I like that term. 
then in one of the listener feedback or topic suggestion episodes, I heard one of you mention that the reason you don't say much about Catholicism is because you don't know much about it. But it seems a silly excuse for leaving it out. Uh, as I've often heard each of you make jokes about how often you end up talking on subjects about which you are far from expert. And as I said in the beginning, I enjoy every episode regardless. Uh, because really, I don't listen to learn what you think. I listen because I like how you think. I can only assume that the other listeners similarly feel this way about your work. Uh, the missing Catholic perspective is my only real criticism of the show. I don't know how you do it, but bringing an occasional Catholic thought to the show would do great things. Thanks for the show, and thanks for reading my thoughts. Any response from you is worth my little effort to write. Prayers, Zach Johnson, uh, Program Director with the Harbor Light Center. Um, Nathan, do you have anything to uh, respond to Zach's email? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I When I first read this email, I thought, you know, uh, if I would guess, you know, which direction our listeners think we lean, I, I would think, you know, the accusation would be that we uh, journey too far into Catholic territory without any real expertise with all of the, you know, <laughs> Augustine and Dante and G.K. Kit Chesterton and J.R.R. Tolkien we talk about. But that said, I mean, you know, I'm I'm certainly willing to keep my ears open and, you know, try to stay alert and try to introduce some more uh, Catholic thought as we roll on. I mean, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, you know, David, I, what did you think when you heard this email? Well, my, my first reaction, um, my first reaction was it's a fair cop. Um, cause I, I do remember when we've said things of that nature and it was, uh, it was specifically in reference to, um, and, th and this is, you know, I'll admit this is, for me, a hole in my knowledge. I'm fairly comfortable talking about um, fathers, if you don't push me too far. Um, I'm fairly comfortable talking about um, the medieval. I'm fairly comfortable talking about the, the ideas surrounding the Protestant Reformation. But... The Catholicism of the 20th century and early 21st century, I simply don't know much about it. Uh, I don't ah, know okay. about I don't know about post-Vatican II. Um, I don't I don't I just haven't read um, the kinds of thinkers, the kinds of theologians that have shaped the Catholicism of the now. And one of the reasons why I don't know about you, Nathan, but one of the reasons why I hesitate to speak too much about Catholicism now is that I don't want to engage in what I see as the frequent Protestant era, uh, Protestant error of assuming that nothing substantial has happened in terms of Roman Catholic thought since Martin Luther said that he was going to stand on scripture and reason, you know, yeah, I think I, that's I, fair enough. You know, I, I I know that things have happened. I know that um, that the Catholicism that Luther wanted to reform isn't necessarily the one that Pope Francis represents. Um, but I haven't done the remedial reading, and I wouldn't. I'm not even sure when I when I would where I would start and when I would have the time to. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and on that score, I, I think you're right that, I mean, when a listener, I do remember that now that you bring it up, requested that we do a show on Vatican II, all of us demurred. I mean, when I was in seminary, I did read those documents very hurriedly, 
Uh, but at that, uh, but at this point, I mean, that is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> gosh, seventeen years in the past. Right. So I, <laughs> you know, um, actually, it's probably not that many. I can't do math very well either. It turns out. But uh, the point is that you know, uh, Vatican II in particular, I'm a little bit nervous about. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll grant that. I'll grant that. Yeah. Yeah, it almost kind of seems like. Um, it would almost you would almost need uh, an episode dedicated to that, so that you would have a research agenda for that <laughs> the prep of that show. Uh, you know, what yeah. I'm saying there's there's not like a, uh, um, a well of knowledge that you are sort of naturally ready to add to a conversation where we haven't been talking about right. Catholicism. And, and, so, and something I have thought about, and I just haven't gotten around to yet. But uh, you know, Zach, I'll also I'll say tentatively that it could happen is that I could see doing an episode on a document from the Second Vatican Council, just mm. because there's a lot of complexity baked into each one of those. And, mm. you know, heck, I mean, at, at some point, you know, we might even do a trilogy where, you know, each of three episodes is one document for Vatican II. I don't know. Mm. But, you know, uh, like David said, fair enough, fair enough. Right. There's also the um, the the updated catechism of the church um, that's decently recent as well mm-hmm. which which is worth talking about particularly given your your stance Nathan that the reformation was basically a recatechizing of Europe it mm-hmm. seems like a good <laughs> a good place to look certainly certainly well at any rate I want to move on to Evan Frames email and Evan says this Christian Humanist podcast first I'd just like to say I love the podcast I found out about it because of another podcast I listened to the Heidelcast uh, when they had Todd Pedler as a guest. I'm only through episode two. Please note that, listeners. And I really like what I've heard so far. Uh, Evan, Evan goes on uh, basically to critique some things that we said back in 2009. Uh, uh, and I, I'm going to summarize these rather than read through them just because, honestly, you know, I, I haven't had the time to go back and re-listen to episode two. Uh, but among these, one is that we said that Calvin had an aversion to uh, visual art and fine arts in general when it came to the adornment of worship space. Number two, that Puritans as a group took uh, Calvin's notion of predestination and divine sovereignty and took it in an extreme d- direction, Evan says, and I don't have any reason to gainsay him. Uh, and third... Uh, that we, one of us brought up, uh, William Perkins in particular. I've got to think that, that was David because at this point, six years later, I don't recognize that name. Uh, <laughs> and said that, you know, he was, you know, once again taking things in an extreme direction. So, uh, you know, David, I'm, I'm going to kick it over your direction. First of all, do you remember our John Calvin episode from uh, October 2009? And second of all, can you respond to these uh, criticisms? Well, mea culpa. Um, oh, gosh. We, we repeatedly uh, tell our, uh, our listeners, Evan, that they might be best served to just skip the first ten episodes. <laughs> Not, not that you're doing it wrong. Um, I also am one who cannot start a series without reading the first book 
I there there's that 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 completest urge in me as well. But at the same time, we were finding our feet back then. Uh, these days, there is no way we would do a whole episode on Calvinism. Um, <laughs> I, I think over over time, we learned which topics are simply too broad to handle in a single episode. Right. <laughs> uh, also, I've listened to that uh, since since then, and I do think you know I th- I think it's a fair cop. There are times when when we broad brush when we speak. Um, I think a little too, uh, a little too absolutely about areas mm-hmm. in which we should have, uh, in which we should have nuanced. I am not going to commit cul- uh, admit culpability in talking about William Perkins, though. I'm pretty sure that wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> and I don't even know that name. Uh, we're yeah. going to blame Farmer for this one. Yes, we, we might have. <laughs> Beza might have been me. Might have been. Might have been you, Nathan. I, we know who Beza is, but. Uh, anyway, um, just, just know that it was, we aim not to misrepresent and I, and I will hope that we've gotten better at that, uh, Mm -hmm. over the course of the series. Uh, you're 160 some odd episodes behind where we are currently. Right. So we might not hear this till 2018. (laughs) But but I, I sincerely I sincerely hope and pray that we've gotten we've gotten better at representing the uh, the complexity and the nuance of those that we talk about, um, unless unless it's Zemeckis's Beowulf, <laughs> in which case blanket statements are completely on the table. Exactly. And uh, and, and speaking of which, listeners, if you don't follow us on Facebook yet. Uh, you should, if nothing else, if for no other reason than because Michael Farmer recently actually started a thread soliciting suggestions for the Christian Humanist Podcast bingo cards. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, it, it, it stung, I'm not going to lie, because a lot of this, these things are my own verbal idiosyncrasies. True. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a good deal of fun. <laughs> Can we move on then? Oh yeah. Yes, I didn't even know you guys back then. I was still slogging through Portnoy's complaint or something at that point. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is from T- uh, Tang Lung, uh, and you will get first response on this, Nanny. Um, will you help me in a lucrative project? Signed, <laughs> Tang. <laughs> Only if there's a Nigerian prince involved, because I'm really, uh, <laughs> I'm really into those kinds of things. As you know, I found them to be very lucrative in the past. Um, um, no, I read that as part of the script, and I have to say, I just I have been laughing about that for about four days now, uh, and uh, and just thinking about how much fun Nathan's going to have with it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll pass it on yeah. to him. Yes, listeners, the the Christian Humanist at gmail dot com is our email address if you want to write us, and we do in fact get solicitations from people wanting to assist us in lucrative projects so and when i am hurriedly compiling show notes for a listener feedback episode sometimes i copy and paste a little bit too quickly yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I wasn't sure whether or not this was a, a gentleman from China or whether it was someone who developed a pulmonary condition from inhaling that powdered orange drink that Aston had. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, or, or some badly uh, mangled Jethro Tull lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> that works, too. All right, Danny. All See right. up the next one. Well, the, the next one is from Tim Webb. Uh, Dear Humanists, uh, thanks for answering one of my questions in your recent listener podcast a month or so ago. Um, or an exclamation point, a month or so ago. I, uh-huh. think, uh, <laughs> I think that you asked for show ideas, suggestions, and here are a few. Um, Kierkegaard and where, in parentheses, how to start reading him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham's The Wind in the Willows. Yes, it may be for kids, but his writing is fantastic. The Divine Encounter... During the chapter story, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn is one of the most incredible things I've ever read. Mm. Even just do an episode on that one story. Uh, Milne's original Winnie the Pooh stories in two short volumes, often now published as one. They're a delight to read, uh, as engaging to an adult as to the children he or she may be reading too. Um, One more thing. Your tagline is philosophy, theology, literature, and other things human beings do well. I must admit... When I heard that last part, I often think, why don't they ever talk about sex? Presumably some of us do it well. (laughs) Thanks. I really love the podcast. I wish I could have discussions like the ones y'all have. Uh, I have them vicariously through you guys. Texas Tim. Um, And I wonder if that last comment could have something to do with a a future lucrative project for you guys. I don't know. Um, But uh, No. Oh. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Nathan, um, <laughs> do you want to jump off uh, and oh, uh, start goodness. tackling some of uh, Texas Tim's suggestions? So, so first of all, you know, I'll, I'll once again abuse Farmer since he's not here. I, I think of the, uh, you know, of those of us who who host this show regularly, he's the most eager to drop, you know, usually just one-liners about sex in there. So I'll just defer to him on that last <laughs> bit. Um, <laughs> Now, Kierkegaard, I think that'd be a great idea. I have only read around. I, I've read uh, Fear and Trembling a couple times, but his longer works I really haven't dug into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that would be one where, you know, probably David or I would be the question writer so that we could tee Michael up and let him run. Yeah. Uh, Wind of the Willows, I mean, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah, Winnie the Pooh sounds fun. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I think we... I, I think our listeners enjoyed when we talked about the Little Prince, and no, I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it in French. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that you know, future episodes on children's literature are definitely uh, distinct possibilities. So, thank you for the suggestions, Tim. I do appreciate them. Um, cooking right along. Uh, this one is from Jay Eldred, who is one of our newer listeners who... Uh, as, as he'll say in the email, well, actually, I'll just read the email. That way I won't have to paraphrase it and then read it because that's insulting. <laughs> Greeting, cr- greetings, Christian humanists. I discovered CHP this past May when frequent listener and letter writer Jordan Poss mentioned your Monty Python episode on Twitter, and I instantly felt a connection. The podcast has been my summer binge listening, and I made it to episode 141. That is impressive. Uh, even listening to those first 10 episodes, you occasionally tell new listeners to avoid. Um, I've also had several lovely, pardon me, not lonely, lovely Twitter interactions with Gilmore. 
I may not be your average listener, though judging by the reader feedback you've read on the podcast, most listeners think that. <laughs> Raised in an IFB church, and I forgot to look up those initials. Does anyone know what IFB signifies? Probably Independent Fundamentalist Baptist. Oh, very good, very good, okay. I attended the same nominally non-denominational university as the aforementioned Jordan Poss, where I also fell in love with Beowulf, Chesterton, and Dante. I've read the comedy yearly since 2008, Chiardi translation, of course, so that's another thing where uh, Jay Eldred and I have something in common. Uh, My faith wavered after college, and it was Dante that restored my faith in God. For the record, I still move and work in IFB circles, teaching social studies to high school students at a church school. I have so much I could write, but I'll try to be brief. Of all the episodes I've listened to thus far, the intellectualism episode has been the most beneficial to me. This past year, I feel I've felt that I've wasted the talents God has given me by not pursuing more advanced degrees to the consternation of parents and friends. Mm. That particular episode helped me realize I can be an intellectual and a lover of knowledge without paying through the nose for more sheepskin. (laughs) I greatly enjoy listening to your personal anecdotes and wonder what has been the most absurd thing over which your expertise has been challenged. Uh, He says, personally, I was once told I wasn't fit to teach kindergartners about the Mayflower because I dared to challenge the unrelenting pessimism in Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises. How those connect, I am not sure. But I want to go around the horn real quick. Danny, uh, most absurd challenge to your expertise. Oh, good Lord. Um, Well, okay, I was at a conference once, um, and... I was talking about – well, I, this probably came up in the, con, the, the podcast before. Um, I was doing a reading of the Amer- American Werewolf in London film as a Jewish assimilation nightmare. And, and <laughs> I, I had somebody – yes, I had somebody come like storming up to me after the conference and start railing to me about circumcision. And, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> this was – You can't just talk about circumcision. <laughs> So, I guess Texas Tim is getting his uh, his wish here to a degree. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was uh, one of uh, that was surely the most absurd challenge I've ever been faced with. So, David, what do you got? Um, I've never uh, I've never been had my expertise challenged directly, but I have frequently had students. Um, I think get skeptical about my literary mojo when I cop to never having read any books by John Green. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but uh, yes, I like, sorry, never, never read any of that. It doesn't really interest me. Teenagers I, don't interest me. I wasn't interested in teenagers when I was a teenager. So, <laughs> you know. I've got one student story and one colleague story. Uh, The student story, I was a grad student teaching Plato's Republic, and I was basically assuming the character of Socrates so that the class would fight me. Uh, And I actually (laughs) had a student get so angry at the exchange that he stood up out of his seat and told me if I didn't like democracy, I should leave the country. At which point I had very calmly to explain to him that, you know, I'm taking on the role of Socrates here. Um, (laughs) The colleague one, I was actually at a lunch with a uh, committee I was working on. And, uh, you know, I I was making a a dumb professor joke as I do. You know, someone 
dropped silverware and I picked up the fork and I said, is this a fork here before me? And, you know, my colleague said, ah, yes, Hamlet. I said, well, no, it's Macbeth, the, you know, the dagger. It's what he uses to stab the king. He says, no, it's Hamlet. It's, is this a dagger before me? <laughs> I said, no, I'm certain it's Macbeth. And uh, we went back and forth like this for probably three or four solid minutes. <laughs> and uh, and, and I, 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 I was actually so racked with doubt after that conversation that I went back to my office and, you know, punched it up on open source Shakespeare to make sure it was, in fact, Macbeth. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> So, or not to be this dagger I see before me. Yeah, yeah. I, no, it really was one of those things. I, I started doubting whether I'd actually read any Shakespeare. I, but anyway, uh, in terms of episode suggestions, I would like one other. This is Jay Eldred again. Sorry. I would like one on appropriation, things that have been incorporated into common Christian be- beliefs or practices that did not start out as such. That sounds interesting. Uh, have you considered addressing anti-Christian novels such as Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials? I, I actually own the first volume of that trilogy, but I've never read it. So, uh, like other listeners, I'm still waiting for an episode on G.K. Chesterton. Well, you got one, Jay, so <laughs> enjoy. Not when he wrote, let's be fair. Oh, true enough, true enough. <laughs> oh, and before I forget, I simply cannot believe that your collective German hasn't improved considering the many German philosophers, theologians, and, and podcast listeners, my inner German groans every time I hear something along the lines of, and now I'm going to butcher the German on this one. Um, yeah, and then he signs off, Jay Eldred, uh, and he actually provides a hyperlink so we know how to pronounce Eldred. Thank you, Jay. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got no defense. I... I really I can't pronounce I took German for reading, not German for talking. <laughs> <laughs> and and all of the German that I know, I read in translation. So all of the German <laughs> works that I know, I read in translation. So sorry, Jay. That that that's I I, I know a few languages. German ain't one of them. Yeah, yeah. you know you know a German Germanic one, but anyway. Yeah, well I know a couple. Shall we of move you. on? Um, anyway, we have one from some guy. Um, dear Christian humanist, long-time listener, first-time caller, <laughs> uh, I enjoyed your most recent episode on offices, although there was something not quite right about the overall tone of the episode, something I can't quite put my finger on. I did want to add one piece to the office puzzle. The latest trend in offices is the office as home and playpen typified by Google's ping-pong tables and what have you. On the face of it, this seems like an improvement over the faceless Kafkaesque nightmare limbed by Danny Anderson. On the other hand, one major advantage to the eggshell white cubicle is that you are exceedingly unlikely to confuse it with a place of genuine human flourishing and are thus likely to seek such flourishing in the home or the community or the church. But the playpen office tricks you into thinking that you are where you belong. Thus, tech workers are encouraged to spend as much time in the office as they possibly can. This from a guy named Michael, who spells it M-I-C-H-I-A-L. That seems familiar. <laughs> Sounds like a bozo. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good. Yeah. Yes, that was from Michael Farmer, dear listeners. <laughs> that is the joke. Um, Danny, that was your episode, wasn't it? Yeah. 
yes. Well, uh, yes. Sort was of. It? No, no, I think it was it was David's. Um, I'm, I, 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 I guess because it involved Kafka, I assumed it must be you. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I, I've always been looking for an epithet for my tombstone, and I think he limbed Kafka-esque nightmares, I think. Um, be, <laughs> um, that's a contender now, I think. Um, so um, I actually agree very much with this sentiment that Michael lays out here. And, and honestly, I feel like, that's one of the nightmarish things about Kafka. I don't think we even need to exit him to talk about it. I mean, I'm reading through the trial right now for with a, a class of mine, and um, one of the motifs, the repeated things that happens in that book, is there's a collapsing of the private domestic space uh, into the official sort of legal space. In that case, it's mm. not so much business oriented, but um, so um, bedrooms become courtrooms and, um, uh, courtrooms take place in office buildings where people sleep and, and all of these things. And so I think there is, um, something rather nightmarish about the intrusion, um, um, uh, the collapsing of that border, at least between mm. the domestic and, and, and the sort of the vocational space. And I think that, um, what he brings up is, uh, I think the, it, on the so like he's right. I think on the surface it looks like an improvement and a happier place to be, but I think there's a bit of a seductiveness <laughs> to it that isn't necessarily um, maybe what we want. Uh, and you can even think of uh, uh, sort of like the the dystopia of Brave New World, where you're sort of uh, enslaved through pleasure and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like what he's talking about here um, uh, is an excellent point. Hmm. And if you want a good treatment of, you know, Huxley's nightmare as it plays out in sort of late capitalist society, you could you could certainly do worse than Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, we did an episode on that. I'm, I'm like, we should do an episode on that. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> um, well, um, the next email is from uh, Jonas Erickson. Uh, Hi, guys. I enjoyed your episode on The Little Prince, which I listened to a year ago and then again today. Um, Wow, repeated listenings. That's amazing. And has Um, it been that long since we did that episode? I must be getting old. (laughs) You expressed interest in learning more about, oh boy, Saint-Esprit, and I would recommend... Sure. (laughs) I figure if I'm going to screw it up, I'm going to go down, go down hard. Um, And I would... uh, Recommend the short volume on him in Twain's World Author City series. Excuse me. It contains a biography and an analysis of his work and the ideas that drove it. And if you really want to engage his ideas, read The Wisdom of the Sands. It's esoteric but evocative. Here's a quotation. Thus, of a man pulled his house to pieces with the design of understanding it, all he would have before him would be heaps of bricks and stones and tiles. Nor would he be able to discover therein the silence, the shadows, and the privacy they bestowed. End quote. That is beautiful. Uh, you say that the Little Prince is the only book by uh, <laughs> Saint Exupéry that the uh, American that Americans know. That's not quite true. Harcourt Brace published his, his nonfiction aviation stories, Wind, Sand, and Stars, in their modern classics line. And Dillard, uh, Dillard calls it the uh, book the astronauts read. Um, Outside Magazine gave it the first spot in their list of greatest adventure books. And people like me occasionally teach it to undergraduates. It's hmm. beautifully written and tells riveting stories. He describes the early days of aviation, 
There's another quotation. In those days, the motor was not what it is today. It would drop out, for example, without warning and would with a great rattle like the crash of crockery and it would uh, and one would simply throw in one's hand there was no hope of refuge on the rocky crust of spain here we used to say when your motor goes your ship goes too the middle chapters contain adventures that uh, make you hold your breath you scarcely believe you will survive to write the book you're holding this includes a uh, a crash in the desert where he encounters a fox Hmm. He is intensely aware of the danger. Um, another quote, I speak, for, I speak of those who, ellipses, have sacrificed much to their craft. Uh, Mermoz said once, it's worth it. It's worth the final smash up, end quote. This is a book about devotion and living well and understanding. Here are a few more quotations if you're interested. The vicious whiteness became in my mind the frontier between the real and the unreal, between the known and the unknowable. Already... I was beginning to realize that a spectacle has no meaning except it be seen through the glass of a culture, a civilization, a craft. And the hours during which a man flies over his mirror are hours in which there is no assurance of the possession of anything in the world. And finally, uh, of what can we be certain except this, that we are fertilized by mysterious circumstances? Uh, let me know if you read the book. Or if you read the book, maybe you'll even like it enough to do an episode on it. Cheers, join us. Um, um, Nathan, any? Uh, I was not around for this one. Any? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, and you know, I, I had never even heard of that book, which just you know is is further proof that I'm not an astronaut. Because um, <laughs> we needed that. Yeah. I... We were one. You wear that big helmet everywhere you go. I don't understand. So. Um... <laughs> Um, but I mean, sounds like a fascinating book, you know, uh, once again, you know, like I said about the Winnie the Pooh and like the Win the Willows, I mean, you know, you know, brief books, I'll put it that way, uh, are always welcome suggestions for future episodes. I mean, this might be one that we take on in the future. It is hard to tell. I mean, David, you were there for the Little Prince episode. I mean, what do you think of all this? Uh, it sounds, it sounds lovely. Um, I already knew from Little Prince that he was an incredibly evocative writer, but Little Prince is very, um, very simple, deceptively simple in its style. It seems, based on these samples, that he uh, uh, he sort of lets himself loose <laughs> in uh, in in his more grown up works, which mm -hmm. lo look interesting to me, frankly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I am curious to know if the uh, Desert Fox spoke German. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, 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 the obvious and the stupid, I can scarcely walk past. <laughs> right, okay. Oh, I'm not proud of that, folks. I'm not proud. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right now, Michael Farmer is scrambling to find the sad trombone sound effect. <laughs> uh, all right, we actually had another one from Jonas Erickson. Uh, and this one deals with a Christian Humanist Profiles episode, but I figured we'd talk about it anyway. Uh, Jonas says, Hello, Charlie Camozzi, whom you featured recently on Profiles, is one of the most informative voices I've heard on the issue of abortion. Uh, for most of my life, I was more or less conservative on this issue, 
even though I was conservative on very few others. Then I read Jonathan Dudley's Broken Words, The Abuse of Science and Faith in American Politics, which gave me some information I didn't know and made me more or less liberal on it. Listening to Camozzi swayed me a bit back the other way. I know you're not in the business of hosting dialogues between guests, but it would be a fantastic it would be fantastic, pardon me, to hear these two talk. However, since that likely won't happen, maybe you could have Dudley on your show. I'd love to hear it. Cheers, Jonas. Um, David, did you happen to get a chance to re- listen to that interview? No, I, I'm afraid I haven't. All right, I know Michael did just because he uh, edited that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Charlie, I, 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 I was excited to get this interview just so I could kind of tell the story of this interview because it just kind of shows how our project is transforming uh, you know, since our, our humble starts, you know, making broad and uninformed statements about John Calvin in 2009. Um, <laughs> but this was one where I actually heard Charlie Camozzi on the Mere Fidelity podcast with uh, Matthew Lee Anderson and uh, Derek Rishmaway and, you know, the, the two English blokes whose name I've forgotten. Um <laughs> But, you know, I, I kind of heard him on that, and I thought, you know, wow, you know, this guy is a genuine, you know, public intellectual. It would be great if we could ever get someone like that on the show, but I'm not holding my breath. Fast forward about five or six weeks, uh, one of our listeners and a friend of Kristen Philippic, uh is basically contacting Charlie Camozzi on his personal Facebook page and saying, have you heard of the Christian Humanists? you really should go on their show. They would give you a good interview. And he takes us up on it. <laughs> and so, nice. you know, I mean, it, it was a great interview, even though my, my cruddy home internet uh, stretched it out so that it took, you know, a grand total of 10 days to complete. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, Kamosi, since our interview has gone on NPR, he's gone on, you know, the cable news networks, uh, he, like I said, he is a genuine public intellectual, uh, and he's got really good things to say. Uh, I've, I've honestly not read Dudley Jonas, but you know, I'd, I'll, 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 I'll say this right now. I'm kind of buried at work, uh, but if I, you know, happen to see light anytime soon, I might pop my head up and request an interview with uh, Jonathan Dudley. Cool. So. Well, I have nothing. I have nothing to add to that except that I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day hosting, <laughs> hosting that kind of toe-to-toe discussion between two people who aren't us. I don't know. That would be yeah, uh, super, honestly, super that, interesting. But the logistics of it, man. Yeah, yeah. Technologically, it terrifies me, and because <laughs> you know, I, I, I've seen so few. Uh, televised debates go well yeah uh, you know uh, William F Buckley I am not <laughs> so yeah. Gorby Dow you are though oddly enough <laughs> <laughs> well no I mean that, that Gorby Dow one is fun but I mean the William F Buckley firing line that is just amazing to watch uh, is William F Buckley versus Muhammad Ali <laughs> I mean I, I'm serious I mean it's on YouTube go watch it I mean it is yeah. I mean, watch it, and in the back of your mind, realize that that could not exist in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why, um, 
Buckley and Vidal got so entertaining is because it wasn't just this one time round. They, you know, it was like it was like, uh, you know, Chesterton and uh, George Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. You know, not not George Bernard Shaw. Wait. Yeah, George Bernard yes, Shaw was yeah, the one he always sorry. had the for stage for second, debates I was with. Like, yeah. For a second, I said George Bernard Shaw, and I saw in my head, in my mind's eye, Bertrand Russell, and I immediately knew <laughs> the picture. Anyway, but but yeah, it's it's. Let it's ladies and gentlemen, the interior life of David Grubbs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all, all, all that all that to say this: um, those, those kinds of debates go smooth when it's opponents who know each other. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's it gets kind of shaky. Yeah. Well, I have our last one, a, uh, a Facebook message uh, from I don't have a name on mine. Oh, Jeffrey Carter. I, I thought okay. I had edited that. I apologize. Okay. Well, uh, I might have printed it out before you did that. Oh, you probably did because I did some edits this morning. Sure. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Carter. Hello, humanists. I wanted to write to express my appreciation and enjoyment of your podcast. Thanks. Uh, I found it a few months ago when I changed smartphones and software platforms, which caused me to search up each of my podcasts again. And in the process, I discovered the Christian Humanist Podcast. So see, folks, your five-star reviews on iTunes really do get us new listeners. Yeah. (laughs) I am an avid podcast listener, so having a large backlog, of which I am nearly through, is a blessing. Uh, your moderate tone and varied choices of subject matter are two of the biggest reasons I love this show. I most closely track with Dr. Farmer as a relatively recent Presbyterian who, after discovering existentialism about 12 years ago and emerging from years of fundy Southern Baptist theology, gladly identify as both a Christian humanist and an existentialist. Okay, let me look again. This might be by Michael Farmer. <laughs> well, he said, Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. He said he tracks with Dr. Farmer. So I, think, I think we're hearing... That sounds like something Michael would say, though. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's something he has said. Uh, I will refrain from suggesting any topics for further shows, since I'm bound to be redundant. Um, I don't know. It sounds like you're almost to the end. You might be, you might be getting there. Yeah. Uh, as one who would have preferred an academic career but finds himself stuck for now in sales, you gentlemen are an intellectual lifeline, along with all the other podcasts on your network. Keep up the great work and carry on. Very good. Uh, any anything we want to say in response to this very kind and laudatory Facebook message, Danny? Well, I mean, I, I don't. The the last bit about having preferred an academic career but being stuck in sales. Um, I, I, there's a limit. To, <laughs> you don't want to take that difference too far. I, I feel like um, when you're in an <laughs> academic career, uh, like I very rarely get to read anything that I'm not teaching. Right. And so it's like, there's a, um, there's a way in which the profession does not give you this sort of play box of intellectualism <laughs> to, to bask in. Right? Um, and, right. And so like, don't like dichotomize, you know, any kind of career against this like platonic ideal of academic the life of the mind stuff. So no, I think that um, having people out in sales and in, in all walks of life is the best that a show like this could hope for. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also I'll say that uh, we attempted um, unskillfully, I'll go ahead and admit several years ago to start a more interactive wing of the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, it just got to the point where, you know, Michael and I, 
both were just walking around guilt-ridden because we weren't paying enough attention to the Christian Humanist Forum. Uh, <laughs> so we, we let that one die when we switched web, uh, web hosts. Well, uh, also, but keeping, the, keeping the robots out was kind of, you know... Well, I mean, that, that was just a bad uh, managerial choice on my part that I fixed fairly easily, but... <laughs> yeah, that's that that certainly was another uh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what I will say is that, you know, uh and and I want to say this to Jeffrey and to the rest of our listeners, you know, who are interested at all in, you know, jumping in the conversation. I mean, send us an email, uh thechristianhumanist@gmail.com. Uh, comment on the blog, jump on our Facebook pages. I mean, one of the things that I hope that we can do is really get some conversation going with our listeners. Um, I know that folks, you know, post articles on our Facebook feed uh, that I've had a good time talking about. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, right now we, we've got a volunteer audio editor and two audio editing interns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's pretty much what we need to keep up with the shows we're putting out. Uh, I could imagine a day, although I'm going to keep it on the level of imagination right now, where we <laughs> might have, like, more personnel who could actually run a more interactive wing of our project. But mm-hmm. right now, I mean, Facebook, blog post, email, jump in there. I mean, we're always glad to hear from listeners. Yeah, and, and can I add, too, um, one of my hopes for the Sectarian Review is to have people who listen that want to speak um, to other people to use that. So if you're interested in, in, in jumping in the conversation in the way that you hear it on the podcast, uh, email sectarianreview at gmail.com. Um, I would love to uh, um, include you. So Righteous. Cool beans. Well, guys, um, as we kind of head for the door here, I mean, are there any other interesting bits that you've seen on Facebook or on the website or in other places that I should uh, note right now? <laughs> well, the Christian Humanist bingo thread on Facebook was... Um, oh, man. I... <laughs> that that was uh, comedy gold, some of those bits. <laughs> it, it, it was brutal, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'll admit, I mean, it, it, it's also gratifying in this sort of unreal way because yeah i mean there was a a thread of people commenting on my verbal idiosyncrasies and i thought oh my goodness that this might be the closest to celebrity status i will ever reach <laughs> yes <laughs> you know I, I mean at this stage of the game there could plausibly be people out there who can do nathan gilmore right? <laughs> You know they've they've got their they've got their impression, so to speak, <laughs> which I don't know. I think that that might actually be the apex of celebrity for me. <laughs> yeah. So listeners, if you do want to record an uh, MP3 format imitation and uh, you know attach it to an email to thechristianhumanist at gmail dot com <laughs> and make him talk about sex in the imitation. <laughs> no, please don't. No, no, no. Family rating. Family oh goodness! Also, gender and sexuality studies is the Christian feminist podcast turf, and we, <laughs> oh, it really is. We don't want to trust that. There you go. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should say, you know, based on that thread, we'll all be. <laughs> <laughs> we we should we should we should finish. 
<laughs> yes, we should. We should. Uh, so I suppose that will wrap up this rendition of the uh, listener feedback episode. Uh, I want to thank David Grubbs and I want to thank Danny Anderson for coming on and uh, talking about these things with us. Next week, uh, Todd Pedler is going to be at the helm, and we're going to be talking about the 1957, although I don't have it on the screen, so I might have gotten that year wrong, film, uh, The Seventh Seal. So tune in for that, and uh, if you want to watch it beforehand, unfortunately the only uh, legal means to do so online you have to pay for, but more than likely a local public library will be able to secure that for you. Uh, in the meantime, you can email us and perhaps be heard on our next listener feedback show at thechristianhumanist at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page. Actually, each of our shows now has a dedicated Facebook page, so please jump in on those. Uh, you can find us, of course, at christianhumanist.org. I forgot the web address there for a second. Uh, and we always appreciate when you go to iTunes. Of course, that is the largest distributor of audio podcasts and any kind of rating you can give us there especially if it has lots of stars will guide listeners our way which is always a happy thing in the meantime though this is nathan gilmore in behalf of david grubbs and danny anderson saying let your sins be strong let your faith be stronger